Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Tyson Harold, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for today and the chance we have to look into your word, and we recognize that we do indeed need more of you and less of ourselves, but that's pretty difficult. We know we need your help. We can't do that on our own. And so as we look into your word today, um, Father, we pray that you'd reveal through your word more of what you want us to do and that your Holy Spirit would work in our midst and in our hearts to make that change, to help us make that change. And uh, God, we, we ask for your help this morning. We ask that everything we do today, God, not only the songs we sing or the words we hear, but the lives we lead, God, would bring you honor and glory. And uh, we ask for your help with that now, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we get to continue our series called Locked In uh, as we walk through the book of Colossians. And admittedly, there are not many things in life I'm locked in on. Locked in is that total focus or devotion, dialed in, ready to go. And honestly, there just aren't a whole, thing, whole lot of things in life I am. With the one exception, and every dad in here can agree with me, when it's time for a road trip, we suddenly become locked in. Uh, we got to beat the GPS, right? We got to make sure we have the right amount of snacks and drinks, but not too many snacks and drinks because then you have more bathroom stops. And that's an example throughout the the talk today is that as we're locked in, we have a destination in mind. We have a goal that we can see, and that's what propels us to go and be locked in. And that's what really Paul is calling the people of Colossae, and he's calling us to do as well, is to be locked in on Jesus because he is the destination. And he is what we're going for. And so if you remember on the last road trip you are, there's, there's some great moments that happen in road trips, but there's also some distractions. And I remember as a kid, we were driving to Florida, and we saw a sign for a pecan stand, and it was supposed to be right off the road, and 15 miles down the road, we finally got to it. It wasn't worth it, right? Because it was like as good as those pecans tasted, we were away from the mission, and away from where we were headed, and away from the destination. That often happens in our relationship with the Lord. We know we're called to be locked in and follow Jesus, but there's a lot of shiny things in this world that detract us and take away from it. So today in the, in the book of Colossians chapter 2, the early church got caught up and distracted about a, a whole host of things. But there's a couple things they did. And Paul shares three directives in Colossians chapter 2. And a directive is something, if you're not familiar, it's, it's designed to propel you forward towards your goal. And a directive usually comes with some authority behind it. And Paul, the apostle, has a lot of authority behind his directives. One, because he was called from a life of killing Christians to a life of of bringing people to Christ, right? So if he knows anything about staying locked in, it would be this guy. And so as we look at it, he gives us three directives this morning, and then he also warns us against some of the distractions that we face in life. And just like being on a road trip, There are things that are going to pop up that you didn't expect. There are things that are going to happen that take you off of where you want to go. And so today, I want to help us become as locked in as we can on Jesus. And if we do that, we will eventually end up that place, that destination where we want to be, which is more like him. Admittedly, we won't get there fully in this life, but that doesn't mean we don't try. Right? And if you've been on a road trip before, you're getting to Florida no matter what. You may be walking, limping, or dragging your car there, but you're going to get there because that's where you want to go. 
And sometimes in life, that's what happens with us too, right? So in Colossians chapter 2, in verse 6, Paul says this. He says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Wow, you, that, you may say, that's, it's Memorial Day. I was not planning on thinking that hard today. There's some words in there. You're like, I don't know what that's about. Uh, just hang with us, right? Stay locked in here for a few minutes. We're going to do the best we can to help you understand what Paul is getting at. And when, hopefully we'll break it down to be really simple to see what he's trying to do. Keep in mind that he's writing to a group of people. This is a letter to a group of people. So some of the things in this letter are going to make sense completely to us because there's some transferability there. But some of the things were directed towards a certain group of people, but we can still learn principles from them. And he says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, he says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. When you came to an understanding of all that God has done for you, that his grace is available to you, that in spite of how good or bad you are, he loves you, and that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, to be buried and raised to life, and to conquer over sin and death. And when you understand that, we all, for those of us who have come to that place, come from a place of dependence, right? We realize we don't bring anything to the table. We can't work hard enough to earn salvation. It is a free gift that we must receive. And so we come very dependent upon the Lord. And the Apostle Paul says, if we're going to be locked in, so then, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. Often what happens is that we realize we need Jesus. And then the next day we wake up and we go, I can do some of that on my own. And so the Apostle Paul says, if we're going to be locked in on following Jesus, just as you received him as Lord, there was an utter dependence that day that you were like, I need Jesus. You got to do that every single day. You got to wake up every day and go, I, I need Jesus. I need his help today. You need to ask him for help today, for wisdom, for love, to deal with people in your life. You need to live in him. It'd be like saying, well, if you got married, then you just go live somewhere else apart from your spouse for a long time. That relationship will not work real well, right? If you suddenly got married and then you went and lived in another state, that'd be difficult. I understand at times it's necessary for seasons, but that's probably not going to be helpful long term. Paul says, look, if you're going to receive him as Lord, you've got to continue to live in him. So the first directive we see from the Apostle Paul is, you received him, so live with him. Right? If you're going to receive Jesus as Lord, and a lot of people love Jesus as Savior because they're like, oh, I need a Savior. But Lord 
means that he's in control. Right? He's not the co-pilot, he's the pilot. He doesn't get to sit in the, the passenger seat, he's the driver. And so Paul says, look, if you're going to live locked in, you've got to understand this isn't just a Sunday thing, this is a Sunday to Sunday thing. This is an everyday thing. First directive is you received him, so live with him. The second one says, um, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. You know, when we become a Christian, we get a new source of energy, a new supply. Our identity is no longer in the fact that we're an American, although that's important. It's no longer in the fact that we're a male or a female or a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife. Our identity is in Christ. And Paul says, you received Jesus, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. You have a foundation, not because you're great, but because Jesus Christ is great. And that foundation has roots that go deeper than anything you can ever imagine. The cool part about that is, though, is that that is available to you. That's available to you and to me. We cannot neglect our spiritual growth. It does not happen by itself. And none of us woke up this morning saying that we wanted to be losers at anything in life, let alone our spiritual life. Right? But over time, if we're honest, there's distractions that happen that get us off course, that help us not see Jesus for who he is. And so as Paul's trying to help us get locked in on our faith, he says, look, you received him, so live with him. And you were rooted in him, so be built up. One of the best examples I can think of is I've been learning about bonsai trees lately because I'm a nerd. Um, and when Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid, he was always going after the, the, the bonsai tree, right? So there's a lot to learn here. A bonsai tree has the same DNA structure as a normal tree. And so what makes them different? Well, it's the fact that their roots cannot go very deep. They're contained in this pot. And so that controls the shape of the tree. You were rooted in the right environment to grow up and to be all that God's called you to be. But you've spiritually stunted yourself, even though these are really cute. We spiritually stunt ourselves when we don't put ourselves in the right environment, that we're not built up around the right things, around the, what the Lord has called us to do. We've been put in the right pot. We've got to stay there and grow, right? We've been placed, we've been rooted. Our identity is in Jesus. We are in the right place. We've got to allow ourselves and so one of the questions we got to ask ourselves, are we in the right environment? Are we in the right environment to grow into the person that God's called us to? Because we've been rooted in the right place. We have everything available to us. And so I'd encourage you to stay there. You are rooted in him, so be built up in him. How do we do that? We do that through his word. How do we be built up in him? We do that through his people, right? How do we do that? We do that through prayer. We do that through a whole host of ways that God allows us to become what we need to be. But as cute as these are, they're stunted. And if we find ourselves rooted but not allowing ourselves to be built up into who all that God has called us to be, we'll be spiritual bonsai trees. And so as you think about your life and being locked in, you are rooted in him to so be built up. The last one that he gives strengthened, um, the last directive we get is that you were taught to so be strengthened. And we see that in verse 7 where it says, um, you were rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul's trying to redirect their focus. We don't fully understand what they were facing in the early church in Colossae. We get bits and pieces of it, but he's trying to redirect their focus, and he says, look, you've been taught that these things might happen. You've been taught that 
that there would be foolish people who come into your life to try and detract you from God. Even taught, Jesus taught that uh, you would have uh, wolves that would come among sheep. And Paul is saying, you were taught these things, so be strengthened. It makes me um, giggle. I don't giggle. But it makes me chuckle <laughs> when you hear people are like, wow, I can't believe this, this world is getting so bad. I can't believe it. Like, it's just, it blows my mind. It's getting worse. And it's like, and they're like, have you read how this ends? Like, have you read what Jesus told us would happen? Have you read what Paul told Timothy would happen in the last days? Like, there's things we've been taught, but we forget them. Or there's things that have been shared with us, and we're like, oh, yeah. And so Paul is trying to tell them. He's giving these, these directives of you receive Christ as Lord, so live with them. You were rooted in the right place, so be built up. And then the last one he gives them is he says, you were taught these things. You know, you've, been, you've heard this before, so be strengthened. And when we do those things, the natural overflow of our life, when we find ourselves locked into the right things, we'll be thankful. And not just a little bit thankful, we'll be overflowing with thankfulness. And I, honestly, that's the hard part, right? We recognize Jesus as Lord. We're like, yep, he's Lord. He's in control. Yep, good. But in light of all of that, we should be overflowing with thankfulness because he's done so much for us. And so as we look at our lives, if we're going to be locked in, one of the markers is that we would be overflowing with thankfulness. That's the one I'm working on, just to be transparent. That's the one I'm working on. I was like, okay, I can continue to live in them, check, good, uh, rooted and built up, okay, I'm trying, strengthened in the things that you were taught, right? Like there's things that I learned in third grade that I need to be reminded of still. But the one that I'm struggling with is to being thankful in spite of everything else that's going on. So Paul gives them these three or, three or so directives, and then he tells them in verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. You have to take ownership of what you let affect you. He says, see to it that you don't allow anyone to take you captive. That's on you, and that's on me, right? And you may say, well, what does that mean? Well, Paul is, what he's getting at is that, that no one would take you captive would literally be that no one would kidnap you away from the things that you know to be true. No one would hold you hostage away from the things that you know to be true. See, that no one takes you captive by hollow or deceptive philosophy. Well, what's he mean by that? Well, for them, in their day, there was a very specific reason, and we don't have all the details. It seemed to be some mix of Jewish mysticism and legalism and a whole bunch of other things where they said, you need Jesus, and you need this, 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 and this. Now, we would probably never come out and say that, but oftentimes our lives would be that, right? A hollow or deceptive philosophy. He's not talking about the study of thought and ideas like that kind of philosophy. He's saying anything that's hollow and deceptive that is based on the tradition of man versus on the tradition and foundation of Christ, that's what you got to watch out for. So he gives the three directives and says, look, you got to do these, but be on the lookout because there's a lot of distractions that come up. If you haven't taken a road trip lately, there are distractions that come up. I have three kids, and we don't make it past Prestwick before there is a distraction of some sort, right? Someone has to go to the bathroom already. Somebody has is punching somebody in the back seat. Somebody is mad because the music isn't right or they want to watch a DVD, right? There's always a distraction. 
And so while there was a very specific distraction for the people of Colossae, there's a whole world of distractions that are trying to keep us from following and being locked in on Jesus. And Paul says, see to it that nobody takes you captive. Nobody kidnaps you away from those things. And as you think about that, you might go, well, what would it be in our lives? I, I don't know. There's a whole host of things in the world that it will detract you from following Jesus. And probably for each and every person in here, there's probably a different thing. And most of us, here's what I've come to find. Most of us are on guard against the big things. And there was a heresy that had worked into the people of Colossae, and they were on, and Paul's trying to address that. And he addresses it in Colossians different than he does in every, any other letter in the New Testament. And I'll explain why in a minute. But for us, it's probably not the big thing that's going to get us off course. It's probably the hundreds of small things that don't seem to be that big a deal. Right? It's probably the hundreds of small things. And so we're on the lookout to make sure that we're living the way the Lord wants us to do. And we're on the lookout for the big things. But I just want to help us see that there's probably a bunch of little things that if we're not careful will detract us and distract us from being locked in fully on Jesus. One of the great questions you can ask yourself is, what's happening in my life pushing me closer to Jesus or is it taking me away from Jesus? Is it helping me follow him better or is it holding me back? And Paul takes an, a, a somewhat different approach with the church in Colossae. In other letters, they're doing something wrong and he says, here's what you're doing wrong and he lists it out. In this one, we don't get a really a great explanation of what happened. But what I love is, is that he, he did this for them and I think for us today is regardless of the distraction, whether it's true or it's not. So pick your favorite distraction from the last year. QAnon, whether it's true or it's not, it's a distraction. Uh, the one that's coming this summer, UFOs, whether it's true or not, it's a distraction. And Paul doesn't spend time going, see to it that you don't let anything take you captive, and here's the list. He says, see to it that anything based upon anything other than Christ doesn't take you away from it. And then he spends the next six verses redirecting our focus back to what's most important, and it's Jesus. And so here's what we want to unpack for the rest of our time now. When we see Jesus Christ for who he is, we'll see the distractions for what they really are. And then he gives us six versions, three pictures of exactly what it means and what Jesus has done for us. And in verse 9, he starts out, right? When we see Jesus for who he is, we'll see the distractions for what they really are, which is a distraction. Verse 9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. And you can see that all the fullness of deity or all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And we find out the incredible truth is that that fullness is available to you and me. Not that we become God, because that's impossible, but we get to be like him. It's what Peter said in 2 Peter where he said, um, God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. His power has given us, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And when we look at this, we see Jesus, and this is what Paul chooses to do for the people of Colossae and also us. It's kind of like going back to, remember when you were in Sunday school, if you grew up in church, and the answer was always Jesus, right? It's like, who loves you this week? Jesus. Uh, who died on the cross? Jesus. It was really simple, right? We got to come back pretty much to that, right? You never get out of third grade, right, Tina? Right. So everything goes back to Jesus, and he spends the next six verses helping us see Jesus. And he uses some pictures that admittedly we probably wouldn't use today, 
But when you understand what he's trying to help us see, and you see Jesus for who he is, you'll see the distractions for what they are. And in verse 9, it says, And Christ in you, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Every. Every is a pretty big word. Every power and every authority. So, UFOs or no UFOs, he's over those, right? Um, everything that could go wrong in your life, every distraction that's in your life, he's over those because he's God. And so what does Paul do? Do these things, watch out for distractions, and focus on Jesus. He goes on to say that he's over every power and authority. In him, this is where it gets a little different, so just hang with me. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. This isn't something that was done by human hands, and the first picture that he gives us is circumcision. Now, to a Jewish reader, they would understand this because on the eighth day, a Jewish boy is circumcised, and he is, that's his covenant of bringing, or it's like a symbol of the covenant of bringing into the community. And so what Paul says is this isn't something done by human hands. It's not just uh, something like that. He's literally done a circumcision on our hearts or on our flesh. The bad part has been ripped away. You say, well, then why do I still sin? You live in a fallen world, and you still live in a fallen body. But spiritually speaking, he has taken off the bad part, right? In Christ, he has removed that from us. And so we have a ton of freedom, and hopefully we don't get caught on some of these distractions because we understand that God has done so much for us in Christ. The first picture he uses is circumcision, a removal of that old part, as Paul would go on in Corinthians to say that the old is gone and the new has come. A heart of stone has been replaced with a heart of flesh. And he says, Jesus Christ has done that for you. The second picture he gives him, he goes on to say, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Jesus, or Paul uses the picture of circumcision to help us to see that our heart is new. It's been cut off. The bad part is gone. Not completely gone in this life, but it's gone. The second picture he uses is baptism. When we baptize people, we baptize them to symbolize the death. You've died to your old self and you've been raised to new life. And Paul, for whatever reason, chose to use these examples to help the people of Colossae see that regardless of the distraction, Regardless if it's true or not true, whatever it is in your life, you've got to stay locked in on Jesus. He has brought you from death to life. He's taken away that part of your heart. And the, the power that God used to raise him from the dead in Ephesians 1, it says, is available to you and to me. And so we don't come at this from a defeated mindset. We come at this from a mindset of that Jesus has done everything from us. Not only is he over every power and authority, he's taken apart our biggest problem, which is our sin, and that should let us live in freedom. That should help us stay locked in on him, regardless of the distraction that may come your way. And then the last picture that he gives us, he says that you were raised with him through your faith, right? We were reminded that it's not our works that save us, it's, it's faith. It's faith in the Old Testament, it's faith in the New Testament, it's faith today, faith in what Jesus Christ did upon the cross is what makes me right with God. And Paul wanted you to understand, to be reminded of today, that, that Jesus Christ has done everything that you need. So while it might seem really elementary, it's important to be reminded that it's Jesus. 
And, and I love that he used this to redirect their focus. And I love that he did this to redirect our focus. You want to be locked in with Jesus? Live with him. Be built up by him. Right? Remember the things you're taught. Overflow with thankfulness. Stay, stay away from these distractions and see what Jesus has done for you. In these next two verses, probably two of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, it says in verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, right? Your heart had not been changed, so to speak. God made you alive with Christ. It wasn't something you did. It's something he did for you. And you're called just to receive that, to let that gospel power transform you and to move you into being locked in on Jesus. Dead people don't walk around, contrary to whatever show you've watched. Right? You were spiritually dead. You were worse than the bonsai. You were spiritually dead. And God, through Jesus, has made you spiritually alive. And not only has he done that for you, which is which seemingly enough, there was a charge against us because of our sin. There was a debt that we could not pay. And what does he say he did with that? He says he forgave us all our sins, everything you've ever done wrong, all the condemnation, all the shame. What's he say he's done with it? Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Everything in your life that you've done wrong, it was nailed to the cross. So he gives us the picture of circumcision. It's changed our heart. He gives us the picture of baptism. And in case you just missed it and didn't get it, he says everything that's ever been against you in Christ has been nailed to the cross and taken care of. So we've got to be people who live in that freedom. Don't pick up the condemnation that you feel or the shame you feel. It's been nailed to the cross. Don't pick that back up. It's been taken care of. We should have an incredible amount of freedom understanding what Jesus has done for us. And that should help us stay locked in to whatever you face this week. Whatever problem you face, Jesus this week. Whatever temptation you face, Jesus this week. Whatever happens in your life, it's Jesus this week. And Paul could have done anything to help us stay locked in, but he said, look, here's the thing you gotta remember. Look what Jesus has done for you. And look what he's done for me. He's trying to help us see who Jesus Christ really is, that he's the destination. In verse 15, he says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The work is done so we can relax. Right? The work is done so we can relax. Not in a relax of, I don't have to do anything anymore, but I can stop fighting, stop worrying, stop striving so hard for things that don't matter. He's disarmed every power and authority. He made a spectacle of them on the cross. If you think back to the road trip, you know, road trips always start fun, but they can be rough. There's, uh, <laughs> there's some difficult times on a road trip. But it, when you get to your destination, it all kind of fades away, right? All of the 15-hour, 20-hour, however long it took you to get there, you don't really remember that until about, at least for me, uh, I see like day two or three, and I'm like, we got to do that again. Um, but for those few moments, right, for those few moments, when you finally reach your destination, everything else seems to not really matter. Why? Because when we see Jesus for who he is, we'll see the distractions for what they really are. I think one day when we get in heaven, the destination, we'll look back and all of the striving and all of the pain and all of the problems will be just a distant memory because we'll finally have reached the destination. 
we will finally be locked in fully in a glorified body, in a glorified place with people who love each other for real, with a God who loves us forever, right? And so if you're struggling with the distractions that come up in your life today, if you're wondering how on earth is God ever going to make this work together, can I just encourage you, just like on that road trip and you finally get to that place of your vacation and you're like, oh, this is it. That's coming. It's coming. He's disarmed every power and authority. He's conquered everything over the cross. That day is coming. and It's sooner than it was yesterday, and so hang on. Hang on. We will finally be with the person who loves you, who knows you, and who wants the best for you. And so whatever distraction you face in your life this week, remember that it's Jesus. Because the only answer for how we deal with the distractions that happen in our life is Jesus. The only way we can deal with whatever happens is Jesus. The only way you're going to be built up in him is Jesus. The only way you're going to Continue to grow in him is Jesus. The only way that you're going to face whatever distraction comes your way this week is Jesus. When the news comes out that there's a UFO somewhere, Jesus. Right? Because he's over everything. And not only is he over everything, but he's taking care of the biggest problem, which is our sin. The last thing I want to say is, is that maybe you've heard this and you're like, oh, that's cool. Um, you can't be connected to something you're not a part of. And what I mean by that is everything that I've spoke about today is available to those who have a relationship with Jesus. You can try and sprinkle more Jesus into your life, but that's not what he wants. He wants you to follow him, right? And he wants you to love him. And we don't do that perfectly. I know I certainly don't do that perfectly, but that's what he wants. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, can I just encourage you, this is, if you were looking for a sign, this is your sign. If you were looking for, should I trust him? Yes, you absolutely should, because all that I talked about, all the hope and the power of everything that we have to offer is only available from Jesus, but that's only to people who are connected to him. And if you don't have a relationship with him and what that looks like, I would love to talk to you after the service and help you understand and know for certain of what it means to love and follow Jesus in your life. So, one day, we'll end up at the destination that we set out on. But for today, if you see something happen this week and it starts to throw you off your game, so to speak, look back to Jesus. Would you do that? Look back to Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your patience with us. You know, people that you've called to be locked in, we're honestly not always so locked in. And so we recognize that you're extremely patient and kind, and God, help us to be patient and kind with one another. Help us to see that we, we don't have it all figured out, and that, but the other incredible truth is that you've given us the power to work through these things. Not in ourselves, but by your help. And so God, I pray that you would help each and every person in this room this week when something seeks to distract them from you. I pray that you'd remind them of what you've done. You did that for the people of Colossae through the Apostle Paul, and I think you're doing it for us as well. That God, that we need you not only to be locked in, but we need you for every moment of every day. And so we thank you for that reminder. And God, we go forward from here today, hopefully with dependence, hopefully with the recognition that there will be something that pops up that we're not expecting. And when that does, God, I pray that you would help us to trust you and your plan, that we would lean into your son, that we'd lean into your word, and that we would seek to be people who are marked by you. 
God, I thank you for the people who are in this room today and recognize that for many of them, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of shiny things in this world that seem to be important, that seem to be what we need. And so, God, I pray for this week that you would help us to be people who are locked in on you. That one day, Father, that we'll arrive at that destination that we've set out on. And that we'll be able to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. In the meantime, Father, I pray that you'd give us the strength to face whatever day this may bring. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.